You know, it was an old rugged cross that Jesus suffered and died, but he didn't stay there, and he didn't stay in the ground. He came up on the third day, and that's why we're here to celebrate the resurrection. Tell you what, that took some pretty mad skill, Oliver. If you weren't here in person, the screen went out, and he's having to say the words. Now, I, I know there's been a movement among some of the men and some of the everybody, really, to try to get me to preach faster. But I'm not going to preach all those words that fast, okay? I'm just going to stop it and we'll slow things down a bit if we have to. But we're going to look for just a few moments today. If the screen works good, if it doesn't, that's all right. You just listen. You'll pick right up. We're going to be looking this morning at the significance of the resurrection of Jesus. And you say, why, why do we need to talk about this? Because I read an article this week. I think Pastor Todd sent me an article this week. It was a a sociologist who is the head of a sociology department at a college out in California. And the title of his article was something about the benefits of America's move towards secularism and the absence of God. And so the, the article was about how fewer and fewer people in our culture today are accepting um, the tenets of Christianity. And so we, we need to look for just a moment at the significance of the resurrection of Jesus from, from an overall standpoint. And I want my girls and girls who can follow, my teenagers, everybody to hear this because we're bombarded in this world by something that's not new. It's really it's, it's secularization. It's the idea that God doesn't exist. And it's the, the, the hope that, that humanity has had forever to become their own God and eliminate God. But when we look at Jesus and when he came, it is his resurrection from the dead that makes this all a reality. You see, without the resurrection of Jesus, Christianity is just another one of the world's major religions. Okay? I mean, you have the other Abrahamic religions, you've got other different religions in the world, but none have made a claim or a stake to the reality that, the, that this is so true that the founder is above and over death itself. You see, it's what makes Christianity impossible to coexist with, hey, just be a good person. Because Jesus didn't say to just be a good person. He said that you have to surrender your very life to this cause. And you need God. And so the resurrection of Jesus is very, very significant. I mean, you, without the resurrection, you could very easily say there have been other martyrs who have died for a great cause. There have been other people who've died in the name of God. There have been evil and all these different things. But none have made the claim to actual resurrection. And so we're going to look today, all of the gospel writers, and of course much of the other writers in the New Testament talk about this, but I'm going to look today at Luke's account in chapter 24. You don't necessarily have to stand today. I normally do that, but we want, I just want to read to you um, the first six verses of chapter 24. Luke's writing in his gospel. He says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, after the story in chapter 23 about the cross and crucifixion and all of that, he says, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Very common. This is what you did. He said, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Now, this is a bold claim. 
Those who are not Christians find this very difficult to accept. And there's a lot of thinking and a lot of um, processing that has to go through if you think about the, the concerns that folks have, maybe that weren't raised as our boys and girls were raised, going to church where they believe this to be true. I mean, this, what separates this claim? Well, then you look at the fact that the people who are testifying to this really never gained anything but heartache. They gained persecution. They had nothing to gain from it other than telling their story. And so we see here that Jesus has risen from the dead. But even at this point, not everyone fully understands, even the women, but they know that, that he is not here, he is risen. There's a story in the next few verses of Luke where Jesus encounters some travelers on the road to Emmaus. That's not the subject of today's lesson. But we pick back up in verse 36 after Jesus' experience with these two travelers on the road, and the, we kind of get back to the disciples, and it says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Appropriately, the scriptures say, they were startled and frightened, thinking that they saw a ghost. I mean, understand, if we just went to a funeral on Friday, and we saw somebody buried, and we saw him die, and we're having dinner and a few days later, and they show up. I mean, we're, we're, there's going to be a lot of different responses, but you're going to be frightened. You're going to be afraid. Some it's a ghost, okay? So this is a very natural thing. He says to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Um, okay, this isn't something you see every day. I mean, this is, if there's a time to doubt, I could see it. All right? He says, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it in their presence. Now we see the disciples encounter this risen Christ. Obviously, they're a little bit um, taken aback by it. They don't know what to make of it. But Jesus kind of alleviates some of their concerns. He wants to prove to them that he's physically resurrected by doing what? Hey, touch this. You know, I want you to see that it's really me. Um, you know, hey, and even give me something to eat. He actually gets a piece of fish and he, he eats something there, which tells us a little bit of window into maybe what our resurrected bodies are going to be like. You know, people ask me all the time, what's going to happen to you after you die? I don't know other than I know that what you do in this life will determine where you spend the rest of your life. Um, you know, and so I don't know exactly what that looks like, but we do know that, that these resurrected bodies that we're going to have, like Christ, are somewhat physical, but they're not just completely physical because he just kind of moves through the door. So he's not limited in this way by time and space. However, he's eating a piece of fish. He eats a little fish on the beach. So I don't know how it all works. Just it'll be okay. Just make sure that, that you um, make it to the right place so that you can be a part of what it is that he has for you. You don't have to worry. It's like the scriptures say, no eye has seen nor ear has heard the greatness and the goodness of what God has for us in this place. And so Jesus appears to them and we know from the other gospel accounts that he appears to several hundred other people. There are a few different episodes that, that we get pictures of how he encounters people. And so Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Very, very unique story. It's the pinnacle story of all religions. How God himself comes to earth in the form of a man. Humanity 
crucifies him on a cross, thinking some of them that they're doing the right thing. He dies, he's buried, and he raises to walk in a new life, giving credence to his message. And throughout history, this has changed the world. You've heard me say this before. Even our time is set by that. Jesus is the most influential historical figure that's ever lived. Even those who don't believe in him accept this fact. And he re resurrects from the dead. So this reality is significant. As believers, we cannot concede to those who may say, well, but that, that's probably just a fairy tale or that's a fable. No, this is the center of our belief. Our belief that Jesus Christ was God. Without that, there is no need for Jesus. It's just another good teaching. Any of the other world religions will work. But he makes the claim to be God and to overcome even death. And so the resurrection is the most significant doctrine in all of Christianity. Now, what does it mean to us? I mean, we, we live in time and space. We're here at a moment in time. What can we take today on the significance of resurrection? And certainly, books have been written. Volumes have been written. Other people have probably said things more eloquently and inspirational than I will. But I do want to share with you three things I believe we can take away today about the significance of the resurrection. And the first one is this. Today, we can have resurrection hope. You see, the resurrection gives us hope. Over the course of my duties as a pastor, oftentimes I'm called to stand upon a stage and I'm looking down over a table. In the last month, I've done this two times. This last year, I've done it a handful of times. And I'm standing on a stage and before me is a table and a table has pictures of all these, of this person's life. And on one particular occasion, there's an urn with their ashes. Another occasion, there was a casket with a body in it. And, and so this is what I'm called upon to do, to share words at this person's funeral or their service. Okay? You know how much easier it is to do that when you know that there is a hope of resurrection for people? that this is not all there is, that it's not over? I mean, if it's, if it's over, what, what tragedy is there in mortality? That this is all there is. There's nothing beyond this. But the Bible tells us in multiple occasions, I've got a couple of scriptures here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Paul writes, To those who have lost loved ones, like some of you. Some of you in here today have lost loved ones. Just what, a few months ago, we were here right? And it's a terribly sad thing because we love them and we did not want to see them go. But Paul writes, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, and about those who are asleep or those who have passed away, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. You see, the fact that Jesus was resurrected from the grave gives you and I resurrection hope that there is something better beyond this. Now, I don't want us to fall into the trap of ever just kind of, woe is me, this is terrible. No, we want to embrace everything great that this life has to offer, right? We want to live a full and abundant life. We want to make as 
much out of our life and do as much good and accomplish as much as we can because it's the only life we get here and we don't know how long it's going to be. But rest assured, no matter how long it is, it's really a blip on a radar. It's going to be over. And so resurrection hope is that there's something beyond this. And the good news is it's going to be better. There's going to be no more tears. You ever been sad? I mean, really. Maybe you were wounded. Maybe you saw, for our boys and girls, you ever seen a kid cry when they lost a pet? Sincere tears of sadness? Or someone lose a friend? Or a parent lose a child? Or have your heart broken? Look, when we have resurrection hope that there's going to be a place where there's no more tears. There's no more sorrow. There's no more sadness. There's no more pain. Some of you live with pain every day in your life. You tell me about it. I mean, you know, you've, you've come to manage it, but you, you really have pain, physical pain that you deal with. Guess what? Resurrection Hope says there's not going to be any more pain. You know that body you're going to get? Well, this thing's giving me some fits, boys. Um, you're not going to have any ailments. You're not going to have any cuts and bruises and aches and pains. Some of you have emotional pain that you, that's just almost more than you can bear. Maybe from something that happened or something that you wished had happened. Well, guess what? Resurrection Hope says that you're not going to have to worry about that pain anymore. Look, resurrection hope should make us excited to know that we can embrace this world with everything. With really a no-holds-barred attitude because one day we're going to have the hope that it can all be better. It can all be made new. I don't know about you, but man, I cannot wait for, for it all to be made new. Now, I'm not ready today. You've heard me say this. You know the old country song. I mean, I'm ready to go to heaven, but I'm not ready to go today. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel like I might be a little more ready, but, I, but, but no, you, you got to do your time while you're here and make the most of this life. It's not just the hope of the hereafter. And that's why Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, listen to this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, listen to this, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Are you participating in living hope as a believer today? I mean, when people look at your life, do they feel like this is a hopeful person? This is a person who has hope for the future, that sees what could be, what God could do. Or are you a person who's thinking not about hope but despair? This is not the path. This is not the path of the believer. The believer is not called to a path of despair or to a path of giving up. No, we're called to have living hope because of what Jesus Christ did. This week, my family and I on Good Friday watched The Passion of the Christ. It's a very moving film. Many of you have seen that film. It depicts Jesus' uh, crucifixion. You know, and what stood out to me tremendously about that this week as I watched it was that even though the reality of the situation for Jesus was dark, I mean, there was really nothing but pain and sorrow and heartache and every terrible thing you can imagine that was right here. But he never stopped moving towards what it was he was supposed to do. And you know why? What did he say? Father, not your will but mine. Because he knew that what he was doing was for the hope of everyone else's resurrection. 
You see, sometimes when you're going through heartache, when you're going through pain and suffering and struggles, the, your hope may be that you're going to help someone else. You don't need to, you know, don't, don't, make, don't make nonsense up and say, this is great. Look, it may not be great. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't think you can say that it was great that they were whipping Jesus till he was bled. I don't think that he was going, great, they're sticking a crown of thorns on my head. Great, they spit in my eye. Great, they stabbed me with a spear. No, those are not great things. Those are terrible things. But guess what? He knew that the living hope of his life was that after he's resurrected, you and I and every person throughout history would have an opportunity to be made with, right with God through his sacrifice. That's what hope's about. It's not embracing every bad thing and saying it's good. That's nonsense. It's taking every bad thing, everything that's happening in your life, and using it for his ultimate good. And so today, we want to have resurrection hope. The second thing that we can take away today from the resurrection, I hope, is resurrection freedom. You know, so many people in this life are bound up. I mean, they are chained to something. Many of them choose alcohol and drugs or sex or all sorts of things to try to alleviate what they feel confined to. And all of these things don't satisfy them, these addictions and these struggles, but they're bound up. You know, as a believer, when Jesus Christ was resurrected, the Bible tells us that his power of resurrection that we're going to look at third gives us freedom. I want you to hear just a couple of verses from Romans chapter 8. Verses 1 and 2. The Bible says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life, the Spirit of life that raised Jesus from the dead, what in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. You know, there's some people today whose life is being altered because they cannot escape condemnation. For something they've done, something that was done to them, something that they failed to do. Listen, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you can have resurrection freedom to know that you're free from condemnation. And the people that are going to um, heap condemnation... Boy, I'll tell you what. Let's see what I can do here. I apologize. I may just have to... Can I do that? Probably an awkward silence on the podcast, but that's okay. It's kind of consuming me right now, you know what I mean? No matter what I do. And I'm not good enough to do like you did, Oliver. You kind of ad-libbed in the moment, throwing the words out there ahead of time. I can't do that. All right. So... The power of resurrection is the fact that we have freedom, freedom from condemnation. I want you to think a minute about people you know who feel condemned. Maybe it was heaped upon them by somebody who was religious. Oftentimes, that's the way it happens, right? You remember who really was instrumental in nailing Jesus to the cross? Who was it? Man, it was the religious folks. I mean, those were the folks that had all the Sunday school stars checked. They'd been given their life. So it doesn't matter where it comes from. You're free from condemnation. Now, you're not free from judgment, but ultimately you only have to answer to one judge, and that's not all the people around you. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. But you are free as a believer from condemnation. What if you and I today were to let go of whatever it is that makes us feel condemned? 
that thing that we've done or didn't do. We can do that through the power of Jesus' resurrection. We're not just free from condemnation. We're also free, listen to this one, from the law of sin. You know, have you ever noticed that the more you try to do right, so you start trying to live right, which is what we're called to do as Christians. This is, this is part of our duty as Christians. We try to become holy. We try to say the right things. We try to do the right things. We're trying to go to the right places. And this is all part of our process that the Bible calls sanctification, okay? But what happens is the more we do that, the, our awareness grows that we realize that even though we're doing more right things as we should, then we begin to question our, even our own motives. Because what? We are bound up as broken people. This is the nature of humanity. This is why Paul said what? I, the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. The things I don't want to do, I'm, I'm, I'm doing those. And so what happens is the more you try to do right, which we're supposed to do, the more if you get wrapped up in making it about what I do, you realize and that this is like a, a wormhole I'm going down. The more I try to do right and I try to do this and I try to do that, now I'm just, it's all about what I do, and guess what? Then you can become, if you follow that to its end, just like the Pharisees, who ironically enough, get this, in an effort to do what they thought God wanted them to do, nailed Jesus to the cross. This is how dangerous it is for us to fall into the trap of trying to adhere to the law, which is why Jesus was so adamant against the Pharisees because he knew that this, this, was, this was a dark hole that you almost can't come back from because it's about you. Jesus' resurrection says that you are free from the law of sin. Now, it doesn't mean that you're free to do whatever sin you want. No. It means that you're free from the condemnation and the guilt and the burden of having to measure up to something. Look, they lived in a world where, I mean, you had to do this, you had to say that, you had to go here. And it's amazing that Jesus comes to the earth to abolish this set of rules and regulations that you have to do to be right with God. He doesn't get rid of all the rules and regulations, no. Now he's trying to help us understand that these rules, these regulations are the boundaries that help us live the kind of life that will be meaningful and purposeful. He comes, he, he does that, he expends everything he has, his very life, to make this point. At the hands of the people who are doing the very thing he's trying to tell you not to do. All right, Christianity is born out of his resurrection. And amazingly enough, what happens? The church, as it begins to organize, does what? It starts to institute so many of the same things and recreate what Jesus died to break. You and I are not bound up by the law of sin. We don't have to measure up. Because here, you can't measure up. That's the problem. If it's all about you, you can never get there. It has to be about him, which is why many people who are very moral and many people who are good citizens, many people who are successful can't come to Christ because they cannot accept that it's not about them. 
and their ability to earn the right to be right with God. You can't do it. You're free from that. And it should give you such release to know that when I do mess up, I have the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not stuck trying to do this. Guess what? I get to do this. How many people's life would be different if they looked at the commands of God instead of I've got to, they said I get to. I get to live a life like this because of what he did for me. You know, I get to be different because I'm honoring Jesus Christ. I don't have to. I get to. What if you and I said that today? When we left out of here, all the things that we know, and, and we've been battling against them because there's, again, something in our nature, right? Have you ever noticed you tell it, if you want a kid to do something, what do you, you just tell him the opposite. Tell a kid. If you tell a kid, don't do that, what's he going to do? And see, some of us are like that. Because the Bible says don't do something, we're like, okay, we got to try that. Instead of getting to live in the way that he wants us to. The third thing we're free from is the power of death. Great comfort in that. Believe me, if you ever have to stand and speak before loved ones who've lost someone, it's good news to know that you are free from the power of death. In John chapter 8, verses 31 and 36, I want to read a couple passages to you. The Jews were talking to Jesus, and he says, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. He says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They couldn't quite understand that. They answered him, and they said, Wait a minute, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replies, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You see, some people today are slaves to the sin in their life, to the way they think, to the way they act, and they're choosing that. Some believers... You see, believers who've been baptized into faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says you've been set free from this one place that says this body of death, which is really the picture of a dead body strapped to you. Your sin is like a dead body strapped to you. You've been given the power to cut that loose. But here's the thing. Some of us are doing what? We're like strapping that back on because we can't let it go. We can't move on, and that's not good. We need the power of Jesus Christ to set us free. What if you and I today said, I'm going to walk out of here. I've been struggling with this. You fill in the blank. You got your blank. I got mine. You got yours, okay? I'm, I'm struggling with this. God, I believe because of the power of your resurrection today that I can be set free from this, whatever this is. Would you believe that in faith today? So that when you walk out of here, that now you, you may continue to battle, but listen, Making up your mind and giving it over to the power of the Holy Spirit is the first step to moving beyond and living in that freedom. And that freedom is possible because of the third thing, which is what? Resurrection power. Romans chapter 1, verse 4, Paul writes, And it was declared that he was the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. See, it was his power that overcome the grave. Right? It's not just he's a good person. He's God. He has the ability to overcome 
the grave. And I can't make too much of this. You see, if you remove this miraculous element from it, it's not real Christianity. It's not biblical Christianity. It could, be, it could be a great moral teaching. I mean, all the moral teachings of Jesus would still be applicable. It, amazingly enough, that article I referenced earlier, I followed the article and I read it to the very end, and the, the guy's claim was that it's a good thing that we're not religious in America anymore and all the stuff he was saying. He said, he said the most important thing is that secular people can follow the golden rule. And I'm like, you know who said the golden rule, right? You see, they're trying to do what? Remove God from it and embrace the same teachings of Jesus, which, hey, are great. And they absolutely will lead you to a better society. If you remove the deity of Jesus and the resurrection and you remove God from it, but your society follows the teachings of Jesus, guess what? The society is going to be good because people are going to treat other people right. They're going to do the right things. And these are all very, very great teachings. But the problem is this isn't all there is to life. Jesus made the claim that there is something beyond this. And you have to make a preparation for that. And unfortunately, the bad news is that if your preparations for the hereafter are consumed with what you can do in the here, there's a bad outcome, the Bible says. Because regardless if it's you trying to do right, regardless of whatever it's you trying to earn it, anything like that, it can't get you there. You have to embrace what He has done for you through His sacrificial death on the cross, and he's raised in power. Probably not a passage in the New Testament that helps us understand resurrection power more than Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through 23. And I want to read this to you. Paul's writing says, I pray that you will, and I pray for you, as I hope you will pray for me, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. God's incredible great power is for you and for me as believers in Jesus. This is what the Bible says. You see, you don't have to be weak. You don't have to give up. You don't have to succumb to all the struggles, all the pain, all the heartache. You have been given resurrection power. Now, some of you and some of us, oftentimes we've got, we've got the power in our pocket in our heart, but we don't use it. You know, it's kind of like some of you are into fast cars, right? Some of you have fast cars, and you love to ride fast cars. And, I mean, you might have an engine that's got the power to go. But let's say you never take it out of first gear. Let's just say you putt-putt around, and you never push it to the floor. You can have the power, but not use it. You're limiting where what you're doing because you're not exercising the power that this engine has. I want to declare to you today, some of us are believers in Jesus Christ. The Bible says we have been given the incredible great power of the Holy Spirit, and it's inside of us, but we're putting around in life in first gear, and we're not using the power that He has given us through His Holy Spirit. 
Resurrection power is the power to do what? It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at Ryan's right hand. Now, he's above every ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. You realize the greatest power in all the world is within you and within me if we're believers in Jesus. This is hard for me because I, if I'm honest, and I want to be honest, if I'm anything, I want to be honest. When I look at my own life, I see that what that's saying about me, and I believe because I believe in the word. And then what I'm seeing in my own life and what I'm living, they're not the same. (laughs) I mean, I've got this power. What's wrong? Why am I still falling to this? Why am I still struggling? Why am I not doing this? Why am I not if I've got this power? You know why? It's not God. Who's Who's the limiting component here? Is it God or is it what? It's me. I'm the one who's not exercising the power that has been given to me. And part of the reason is, you know what, what I'm learning is I want the power of Christ in me, his resurrection power, I want it to be like a light switch. See, that's what we want as Americans. We just want it to be like a light switch where I can do whatever I want to do all the rest of the time and I just flip on the light and I get the power of God. But it doesn't work like that. It's really more like a conduit where, where you've got to build and you've got to grow the system and you've got to grow to where you can exercise that power and be capable of producing the kind of power that is within you. And you've got to start small. See, we don't want to do that because that's work. That's hard. We may have to get up early and start reading our Bible. We may have to start, start kind of meditating. or We might have to start listening. We might have to start going to places maybe that we you know, haven't been going, whether that's church or a Bible study or things like that, because we don't have the capacity. Think of it like this. Within a child, all right, I see some of these young boys, all right, they're going to grow into powerful young men, aren't they? I look at their fathers, and they're, they're big and they're strong. Within that child is what? The capacity to be that. It just takes time to develop, and it takes time to grow into that. And I think in some ways, now this is my opinion. I'm not saying this is the Bible truth. It's just my perspective on this, okay? Is I think that, that in us, when we become believers, we're like little children. And the more we grow, the more we develop in our minds and in our hearts and our understanding, guess what? We become more powerful. We become stronger. We become smarter. We become wiser in the things of God. Unfortunately, too many of us have like kind of hit the plateau. I mean, if we're honest, really, if we are honest today, Easter Sunday, if there's ever a Sunday to be honest, let's do it today. How many of us have like kind of hit the place where we're good with where we are. I mean, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I don't know if I want to go deeper. I don't know if I want to be more. I don't know what that would cost. I don't know what that would change about my life. I like my life. I have a, as Bob Miller says, a charmed and beautifully blessed life. I love my life. Do I want to continue on with where God wants me to go? And maybe deep down, Maybe, just maybe, I'm afraid of where it would lead. 
because I know where it took him. It took him there. Because, see, what happens is the more of God we embrace in our life, the less of ourselves we seek to satisfy. And now we begin to live to help others. Maybe today we need to make a commitment that we're going to embrace the power of his resurrection in our life. And we're going to say, you know what? God, I need your power. I know you put it in there. The Bible says that, but I have not been living under that power. I've been living under a different power, the power of self, the power of whatever. This is our hope today. But it's a little bit cautious because what it could mean. But the resurrection has tremendous significance for all of us. Certainly, as people who come to a church on an Easter, at the very least, we have interest in Jesus Christ and what he did. Maybe that's not as far or as much as we would like for it to be. But hopefully through our experience today, it can become more and it can get better. As we close What is really the significance of the resurrection of Jesus? Number one, we have resurrection hope. We can leave out of here today and know that we know that we know that we have the hope not only of the life hereafter, but the abundant life. And I want to challenge you. This one I'm good at, okay? You know, I mean, we all do some things well, and we kind of aren't too good at others. Man, this one, I believe this, all right? And I'm good at it. I want to walk out of here, and I want to live an abundant life, and I want you to do that. If that's something you're struggling with today, make that your Easter declaration, is that I have resurrection hope. I have the hope that things can be better. I have the hope that God is going to do something good. We have resurrection freedom. Look, if there's something in your life that has got you bound up, man, it's time to cut it loose. It's time to cut the anchor. It's time to accept the love and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and accept his resurrection freedom. And I think all of us, every single person in here, has room to embrace more of God's resurrection power. How do I know that? Because none of us are batting a thousand. None of us are making all the difference that we can make. None of us are, are, are getting everything right. None of us are affecting lives daily. None of us are sacrificing everything. And so guess what? We got room to grow. But we don't have to do it alone. We have the power of his Holy Spirit to help us. In your job, in your role, every single one of them, would you embrace the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? It doesn't matter if you're retired. It doesn't matter if you're a student. It doesn't matter if you're a young person. Guess what? If you know Christ, you have the resurrection power of his Holy Spirit. If you don't know Christ, I want to challenge you. That's the most important thing that you could do this Easter. If you've been trying to do it on your own, if you've been trying to figure it out and say, you know what, if I, if I don't do this or if I do that or if I just get this done, look, this, this, is a, this is a perpetual loop that leads to nowhere, literally. Give that up today. If you're watching this online and, and, and you've been trying so hard and, and you just can't come to God and you, you're doing your best, maybe it's because your best just isn't going to be good enough. And he wants you to give up and turn to him.
If you need to do that, I want to make myself available. I can't think of a better day to make a decision like that than Easter. And I'll stay here as long as you need me to. And that means something because I was supposed to go eat lunch over at my mama's, and it's going to be good. But I will stay here as long as you need me to till we can solve that problem if that's something you want to do. It's more important than any lunch. It's more important than anything. It's more important than everything. And I don't want anyone to miss out. As Oliver comes to lead us, as Linda comes to lead us in a song many of you may know, I think the whole band may be coming on this one. Great Easter song, Because He Lives. I love all the verses of this song. You know, Because He Lives, we can face tomorrow, it says, and a whole lot of other things. I want you to embrace the message of Easter as we sing this together. And then after they sing, Bob's going to come up and lead us in an Easter communion. And it's a celebration of what Jesus Christ has done for us, what he's done for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on that old rugged cross. Thank you for rising from the grave to give us hope, freedom, and power to live in a meaningful way for you. I pray for each person who's here. I pray that from the youngest to the oldest, each of us would be moved by the power of your Holy Spirit to respond appropriately to what it is you would have us do in our life. It's because of your life that we can have true and meaningful life. And this is something we are extremely grateful for.